guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Fire and Flame. You can find Fire and Flame on YouTube, on that official Fire and Flame, and Fire and Flame 27. Tune in every Friday at 7.30pm GMT. Hello guys, welcome to the show, curious pod bats and cats and rats. Yes, uh, hello. my co-host. Who keeps it in the open is Drew. Yes, Richie. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Curious Podcasts, where it's nothing but mayhem, bullshit, and chaos. That's just you. Yeah, and that's just me. On any other week. Can you smell petrol? Yes. Well, yeah. some something's burning. Something there. Wait. Anyway, that's just, just an ordinary day in Jarrah. So this week, unfortunately, is the continuation of um, that creepypasta I started last Oh great, I've been on the edge of my seat all week. Oh, so that, that, that's going to be um, Drew's curiosity scratching post this week is the continuation of part one of that story. I found out there's three parts altogether. Oh yes. So I the... can't wait there. Wait there, wait there. I cannot... Wait to hear the rest. Yeah, so d- d- depending on how long part two and part three are, this could be a s- six-part thing. Mm. I well, don't, it's I... a good job you planned it, isn't it? Because uh, yeah, that would be really embarrassing if you... I know. Uh, it's not like I just didn't look at it in advance, and now that I've started, I can't back out. It's not like... That, I'm, that, that would be embarrassing. I know, that, that, that would be humiliating. So humiliating. Right, so what other shit have you got for one? Have you got anything? Well, did you know that coconuts have only been in the Caribbean for 500 years? That's where the film uh, Coconuts from the Caribbean comes from. Well, what happened is that they floated over the ocean from Asia because they're that light and buoyant. They just floated th- across the ocean. Got on the beach, mated, made wooden huts. No, they just about the took root. Uh-huh. Yeah, they floated over from Asia to the Caribbean, took root, and, and, and... Who the fuck was that? It's just such two in here, isn't it? I don't know. Why is there a fucking toenail on your, um, oh, on your desk? A, that's not a toenail, that's me thought. That's oh. fucking rank, aren't they? Don't eat it. I'm not going to eat this. <laughs> No, it's not a toenail, it's not spiking. It must be thumbnail. Fucking honestly. Okay. Right, what are you saying? Ah, uh, I don't know, coconuts. Coconuts? Yeah. Moved so, abroad and... Uh, yeah, they, they, mi- they migrated, they migrated. But also, did you know that there are animal hybrids that actually have their own hybrid names? Mm, such as? Well, if you cross a lion with a tiger... You get a liger. Uh-huh. And if you cross a horse with a zebra, you get a zorse. Oh. But do you know what you get if you cross an elephant with a rhino? Elephant. Exactly. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there, there's a couple of uh, fun facts from me for you. Well, I like the coconut one, because I like coconuts. I thought you would. Uh, right. So I think, uh, well, for... What have you got for us this week? Who, who's well, we'll getting... be going into your thing now, won't we? Well, yeah, I just want to know what you've got for us this week, you know? Like, who... uh, well, we've got Quiz Mind. As usual. And Richard's... It's almost like there's someone else here, isn't there? Like, I know. In the walls. You know what? in his mouth. You know, I've used, like, spirit detectors and that in here with curiosity, but I've never been able to detect anything. Well, even the spirits don't come in here, man. I know I've got my own spirit repellent. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so you've got quiz mind. We've got some spirit lurking around somewhere. Who's our guest this week? Uh, we haven't got one. We've got a caller. Well, that's still, well, that still counts as a guest. Well, not really. Yes. So don't start radio shows by saying, all right, and this week's going to have Dave from Cardiff. We're getting Dave from Cardiff? Shut up. No, we're going to have... Uh, Mr. Sean Connolly from uh, from Scotland. Oh, any relation to Billy Connolly? Who? 
Billy? What's that? Billy Connolly? Comedian? Yes. I don't know what you're talking about. Right, so... Well, on that note then, you shut the fuck up. We're getting into Drew's Curiosity Scratching Post. Open it then. I'm trying, I'm trying. We'll get the key. I am using the key. Got the one. Yeah, there we go. Hello everyone and welcome back to Drew's Curiosity Scratching Post for another instalment of Creepypasta Storytime. Last week we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger, mainly because my throat was starting to hurt from talking too much. So without further ado, I will pick up where I left off. It was as one of the children fell, scraping a knee and crying out, attracting the attention of one of the parents that I realised with a feeling of dawning horror that any parent knows. It had been too long since I'd last heard Abby. The few times I've had to lock myself away to get work done she settled in the living room outside the office, distracting herself scrolling through YouTube and playing with the assortment of toys we'd gotten her over the years. The sounds of her little babbles or clattering of toys was something I'd listened for at points to make sure she was alright. I had gotten distracted, first by the test, and then my own thoughts and the first real moment of silence I'd had all day. I had let the time get away from me, forgetting completely to keep an ear out. I shot up from my seat, hurrying to the door, yet feeling unable to move fast enough for my heart as it pounded in my throat, feeling every bit a shoddy parent. Abby, I called, swinging the door open to the sight of an empty living room. My breath caught in my throat. The only sound to greet me was the antics of whatever cartoon characters came over the television. I hurried to the kitchen next, calling her name as I checked behind the island in the off chance that she was playing some random game of hide and seek. Yet as I went from room to room downstairs, without a sign of her, I felt my heart grow painful in its thunderous beating. A faint nausea nipped at me like a dog at the heels, as a faint tremor began to emerge through my body. Abigail? My voice came more forceful than I'd intended, shaking more than I'd have thought, as my face grew hot. I searched the first floor, every room coming up empty, the tremor growing until I shook like a leaf in the wind. As I approached the garage door, I was greeted immediately with a gust of frigid air and the sounds of birds chirping. My heart dropped, disappearing into a pit widening in my gut as I saw that it was somehow ajar. My body seized with awful anxiety as I opened it fully. The garage was wide open, giving a full view of our neighbourhood beyond. My knees shook with the threat of giving way entirely, as a sensation like being doused with freezing water almost turned my body to ice. Had it not been for the adrenaline that coursed through me in that instant, searing my veins as it did so, I might have passed out from the sheer horror of it. It didn't make sense. I was sure I'd heard my husband close it this morning. Had she opened it herself? There was no way, I felt certain. The button was several feet above her head. Besides, surely I'd have heard it. I could say no way for her to have somehow opened it without my notice, and yet the reality remained the same. I cursed myself for getting distracted. Abigail! I shrieked her name, uncaring who I disturbed as I ran out and under the driveway. I searched, eyes darting about with no idea of where I ought to be looking, the world descending into a blur of colours, sound and panic around me. The taste of salt was my only warning that tears were falling. My face, every part of me, feeling numb, like television static had seeped beneath my skin. I could see curtains parting as curious and judging eyes cast glances through the windows, wondering about the crazy woman disturbing the peace 
but none seemingly willing to venture forth and see what was wrong. I felt lost, unsure of which direction I ought to be going or where to run. Suddenly aware of just how small I was in the vastness of the world. The small groves that lined either side of the street, beyond the yards forming a barrier between the outside world, usually so serene and beautiful, now seemed like treacherous forests, past which I could picture my daughter falling into some ditch, crying out for me. Or, if she'd somehow made it through the brush, out onto the busy streets on either side, I felt as though I could vomit at the thought. I rounded the left side of my house, entering the space between my yard and Miss Melody's. Panic racked my thoughts for every step I took, carrying with it the fear that I was moving farther from where she might be. All the while, another part of my mind wondered if she wasn't still in the house, somehow having escaped my thorough search, and by leaving, I was putting her in danger. She's gone. She's fucking gone. You're an awful mother. She's... The thoughts played on repeat like some record of a nightmare, the very blood rushing through my head audible as my heart pounded. Abigail, I called again, struggling to take in a deep breath as my lungs seemed to quake at the sheer dread, as though the act of taking in oxygen was somehow requiring concentration I couldn't spare. The sound of footfalls in the grass made my head spin as I turned to face whoever was approaching. I could have cried at the sight of Mrs. Melody, despite the sour look the old woman fixed me with, disapproval written within the wrinkles of her face. In her arms, which strained with the effort, she held Abigail, clutching in her hands that ever-present little stuffed bear. Oh my God, thank you, I sucked in a breath. Hiccups racked my chest as the tears poured, rushing forth to take hold of my daughter. She pulled back, putting a shoulder between the two of us her eyes never wavering from mine. It was as though she were trying to see through me, searching for some reason not to return Abby to me. Please, I tried to sound as polite as I could manage, but the edge of my voice was apparent, and I could only imagine how I must have looked in those openly reproachful eyes. I didn't have to see my face to know it was red and splotchy, my hair a mess still from the morning since... I'd had no plans of stepping out, screaming like a banshee only moments before. Where was she? I asked, watching Abigail as she chewed on the ear of her teddy, with a feeling almost akin to the moment of her birth. An awful anxiety suddenly lifted, though I waited uneasily for her to be returned. My backyard, she spoke, her tone no more pleasant than her expression. Making an absolute mess of my garden, I might add. I'm so sorry, I just... I took my eyes off her for a minute and she was gone. I... She interrupted, hardly even acknowledging I'd spoken. Just keep your child away from my house. Do you understand me? And keep an eye on the girl. You never know what might happen if she wanders off again. Whoever finds her next time may not nearly be as cordial as myself. Her tone was as cold as ice, and even more biting. No hint of friendliness or subtlety in her words. I couldn't tell if, she were, if it was a stern warning or a threat. She stepped forward, forcing Abigail into my arms, before praising the two of us. Then, with a shake of her head, she trudged back down the little hill that sloped into her yard, and into her yard, out of sight. I clutched Abigail close, tears trailing into her hair. The air smelled sweeter, the wind a gentle caress, as my mind lingered on what could have come to pass. Don't do that again. Don't ever leave me like that, I sobbed. How did you get out? She raised her toy, little arms wavering a bit beneath its weight. Daddy, she cried, before flinging the bear as far as she could manage sending it tumbling barely a foot away into the grass. I sighed, leaning over to grab it, before making my way back towards the house. My stomach gurgled, the adrenaline fading, leaving only exhaustion, nausea and anxiety in its wake. 
I could see the peering eyes through windows as my neighbours watched through slits and curtains and my face burned hot. As I entered the garage I cast a parting look in the direction of the Melody's home toward the backyard and the grove beyond. As I did so I caught sight of someone in one of the windows on the second floor the side nearest my house. I glanced up and caught eye of Mr Melody. He was watching me with a look I couldn't read, but one my mind immediately defined as judgement. Casting my eyes away, I made my way inside, heart thudding in my chest. The rest of the day passed by in a blur. No matter what I busied myself with, my mind continuously returning to that afternoon, replaying every way that things could have gone wrong. I didn't let Abigail leave my sight. She spent most of the day in the living room, where I set up the old playpen we hadn't used in months, unwilling to have a repeat of earlier events. I couldn't make sense of it, how she'd ended up outside, knowing there was no plausible way she could have reached that button. It made me deeply uneasy. If she had found a way outside somehow, I couldn't afford to ever let my guard down. Even a bathroom trip could offer her the chance to slip out, the hours seemed to crawl by, me never leaving her side, before Alan had returned from work. Hey, he called, stirring me from a sleep I wasn't aware I'd fallen into, as he strolled through the garage door. My eyes darted about the room, searching for Abigail, my heart immediately in my throat, pounding with unrelenting intensity. It wasn't until I realised that she was on the couch beside me, a little form curled against the arm of the chair, fast asleep, that I could breathe again. You... okay? Alan asked, slowly lowering his bag as he crossed the room towards me, opening his arms immediately as I fell into them, head shaking without thought. I recounted the events of the afternoon, my tests and the resultant distractions, the panic upon the realisation and the brief confrontation with our neighbour. By the time I was through, tears were running freely. I bit my lip, feeling irritatingly fragile. Get a hold of yourself, I thought, chiding myself silently. I didn't like how off I felt about it all. It was more than just the fact that she had gotten out, as horrifying as that had been, but it felt like there was something more something greater that I was failing to see regarding my daughter, and it petrified me. Alan's reaction was a struggle to read, a multitude of feelings seemingly to display themselves all at once, concern, shock, and perhaps it was just my conscience, but I thought I could see a bit of blame in his eyes. Still, he held me tighter. It's okay, she's okay, we're fine, you just can't let her out of your sight again, I guess. He kneeled in front of Abigail, kissing her lightly on the forehead so as not to wake her. I'll check out that garage door. Maybe it glitched or something, responded to a neighbour's remote and bang, out she goes. I nodded, though the thought felt unlikely it brought comfort to have some sort of theory. We should take something over to them, a thank you gift. Maybe it'll smooth things over. We don't want to seem like the dysfunctional family in the neighbourhood. I winced at the idea, the very thought of having to see the old woman again making me flush with embarrassment. But I knew he was probably right. She had found Abigail, after all, regardless of what her attitude might have been. Surely I owed her for that. I nodded, sighing and running my hands across my face as if to wipe away the events of the day. Alan pulled me close again, pressing his lips against the top of my head. It'll be fine, love. Promise. She's okay. Everything is okay. God, how I wish he had been right. We settled in for dinner half an hour later, before setting Abby down for bed. I stood by her crib for what felt like half an hour, caressing her head as she fell back into a deep sleep, arms wrapped around that massive stuffed bear. The old heating system of the house had seemed to kick into overdrive, 
and Alan had suggested leaving her window open to allow for a little breeze. After some resistance, I relented on the condition that we lock it in place, opening no more than an inch. The events of that afternoon lingered fresh in my mind, and I wouldn't open the door to allow for a genuine tragedy. I watched her for a few moments as she slept, my heart aching at the thought of what might have happened. After some time, long after the sounds of my husband moving about the house had faded, I made my way to our bedroom and climbed into bed beside him. I pressed in against the heat of his body, though my back was facing him. My eyes were on the doorway as if somehow it might allow me to peer into her room, though there was little to be seen but the darkness of the hallway. At some point, exhaustion overcame anxiety, and I could fight to keep my eyes open no longer. My thoughts growing loose and sporadic as the fog of sleep grew heavy. I don't know how long I had been out, when the commotion of the house snatched me from my slumber. The room was dark when I pulled myself into a sitting position, eyes still bleary and rough with like sandpaper. Yet I had no time to gradually awaken. The sound of my daughter's cry, a shrill shriek like nothing I'd heard from her before, and Alan's voice bellowing my name turned the blood in my veins to ice. Alan? My voice was strained and hardly recognisable through the panic that filled it. My heart felt as though it was plummeting through my feet and into the earth, pounding all the while I was struggling to stand. My head swam, the air thick with a dreamlike quality that, when paired with the stomach-churning anxiety, felt was altogether nightmarish. Alan! I was near the point of tears as I approached her room, the sound of her shrill, pained shrieks making my chest ache sharply. I pushed the door aside with such force it made the walls shake, the sound loud enough to make my ears ring, and yet, as Alan turned to face me, standing beside our daughter's crib holding her close to his chest, his expression bore no surprise, just a blazing panic and sadness. What's wrong? What's going on? In my hurry, I nearly tripped over the godforsaken stuffed bear, the side of my foot where I'd kicked it stinging as though I'd just kicked a small rock. There was something there, something inside of it more than fur and stuffing, but I had no time to dwell on the matter. As I approached, I could see the reason for all the commotion and my stomach dropped through the floor. Her arm, I couldn't finish the sentence, feeling as though the air had been knocked from my lungs. Alan cradled it close to him, not wanting to let the limb dangle but I could see the state of it even then. It was swollen, the entire arm an angry red colour save for an area a bit below her wrist, which stood out a nasty purple. The tremor I felt seemed to rise until I was shaking uncontrollably, nausea gnawing at my gut as darkness played at the corner of my vision. My head swam as the panic reached a fever pitch. What, what happened? How did this happen? I don't. Questions stampeded over each other to the forefront of my mind. I felt lightheaded and my skull pounded with every drumbeat of my heart. The world felt so odd and surreal, as though I were in a nightmare, that I could wake up at any moment still in bed. But no, it was all very real. I could tell. I don't know, he responded, voice strained with emotion. Neither of us taking well to seeing our child in pain. I heard a slam and next thing I know she's screaming. She had to have climbed out of her crib somehow and lost her balance. I just... He looked at me, confusion and a sort of pain I resonated with on a primal level that seemed to grow with her every cry. She's never done that before. I don't understand. I shook my head. He was right. Abigail had never shown any signs that she'd been trying to climb out of her crib, had she? It would have moved to our room that same day. Until now, I wasn't sure she was even capable. 
It made a small part of me, some minor area still capable of questioning through the sheer panic, wonder why, why tonight, of all nights, after the somewhat inexplicable events of that afternoon. Still, I had no time for weaving theories at the moment. Alan had risen to his feet and was speeding past me towards the door. Where are you going? I asked, yanked from my thoughts. Hospital. We've got to get this looked at immediately. I nodded, almost feeling stupid that I hadn't thought of suggested sooner. My head felt all over the place, the events of the day rendering me mentally drained. I just wanted to curl into a little ball, Abigail's safety at the centre, and sleep for a week. I'll come with you, I started, just let me throw some pants on. The drive to the hospital was a tense one. I sat in the back with Abby, doing my best not to lose it as I tried and failed to calm her down. Not a second going by that Alan wasn't peering nervously at us in the rearview mirror. The night seemed to move by in a blur of hurried conversation and odd glances. Perhaps it was my exhaustion, but as we sat in the waiting room while our daughters almost scanned, it felt as though every glance spoke of judgement. In my sleep-deprived mind, in some odd way it seemed everyone knew of the events of the day before, my failing, as though the world itself was calling me negligent, and I was beginning to question it myself. What is happening today? I breathed, running my hands across my face and through my hair as I leaned into Alan's shoulder. I could feel him shaking his head as he put his arm over my shoulder. It's been something, he said, his voice every bit as tired as I felt. She's getting older. Maybe the terrible twos are showing up a bit late, he offered. I thought for a moment, knowing there could be something to the theory. The sudden temper tantrums and disappearances, and now this incident with the crib. It was also sudden and unlike her and my very instinct told me that something was wrong. And yet I couldn't tell what. It felt like that afternoon all over again, an awareness that my daughter could be a great risk, yet an utter directionless when attempting to confront it. Mr and Mrs Price, the doctor who would preside over Abigail's treatment called us from across the waiting room, yanking me from my thoughts. Alan was up in an instant, striding across the room in a quick pace as I hurried to follow behind, heart pounding in my chest to a nauseating effect. The expression on his face was polite, but slightly sombre, and I already expected what we would be told. There was a break, just below her wrist in two places. Her little arm had been shattered by the contact. The doctor's best guess was in line with our own, She'd likely fallen and broken it in the process, but the mental image sent me back into tears. I know it's upsetting, believe me, but if it's any consolation, little ones are remarkably resilient. She'll likely heal faster than either of you would in a similar circumstance, he said with a sad smile and nod. We'll do our best to make sure her arm is set perfectly. I've got a friend who specialises in paediatric orthopedist. He's one of the best. She'll be safe in his hands. I'll have the front desk give you the number. Thank you, Alan responded, reaching out and shaking the man's hand. The doctor nodded. They'll be bringing Abigail out in a moment. You folks try to get some sleep tonight. She'll need the rest too. The medicine will have dulled the pain, but she'll be tired. I imagine you all are. I simply nodded, still somewhat lost in thought. The doctor affixed me with a tight-lipped smile. The sort that was more apologetic than happy, before turning and beginning back down the hall and onto the rest of his night. He paused as he reached the hallways, and in that instant I could see something like reluctance in his posture as he turned to face me once more. Accidents happen, you shouldn't blame yourselves, he said, though looking at me directly as he did so. I felt my face run flush. Realising my thoughts must have been all but visible on my face, the self-loathing apparent even to a stranger. But also, 
if you think there might be something wrong, listen to yourself. You know that little girl better than anyone in the world. I'm sure sometimes that alarm bell in your head is going off for a reason. Trust your instincts, Mum and Dad. With that, he was gone, leaving me with only a parting smile and enough time to nod my acknowledgement as he disappeared behind a set of double doors and deeper into the hospital. I peered over at Alan, skin prickling with an eerie sort of sensation like some warped deja vu. That was nice of him, he said with a thin smile, exhaustion heavy in his eyes. I'm sure it's standard. We're definitely not the first distraught parents he's dealt with. But cool of him all the same. I nodded again. While logically, I knew his words were likely little more than some standard platitude fed to all of the worried parents, I couldn't shake how much it resonated with what I'd been feeling since that morning. It was disconcerting to say the least, and only added to the feeling that I was missing something in plain sight. Loose pieces of a puzzle all scattered about my mind, with no ability to be connected. I take it you're the parents, a shorter woman with a round face called. The sight of Abigail in her arms scattered any and all previous lines of thinking, as both Alan and I hurried to meet her. I scooped her from the woman's arms as gently as I could manage, holding her as one might some restored artefact that would fall to dust in a heavy breeze. Alan handled the rest of the interaction, being led to the front desk as he was asked about insurance information, while I returned to the car with Abigail. I had had enough of the day, enough of the fluorescent blaring lights of the hospital and of people and their judgmental gazes. I crossed the silent parking lot, passing an older man in a wheelchair, taking a smoke outside. The click of my shoes on the pavement echoing through the night. I'm not certain at what point I became aware of that sensation, that stomach-turning, creeping feeling like a skeletal hand along the back of my neck that told me I was being watched. At some point I slowed down, heart thudding heavily against my chest, ears straining as I listened to the footsteps I'd slowly grown aware of. My stomach sank as they slowed in turn. Perhaps it was the exhaustion paired with the stress of the day rendering my nerves shot, leading my mind unable to think clearly but in that moment, with Abigail in hand, all I could think to do was speed up. The area of the parking lot I'd entered was empty, as, I, as far as I could tell, save for myself, my daughter, and whoever was behind me, and the realisation filled me with a cold, heavy dread. My pace quickened, until I was practically walking, all the while I could hear the echoes of footsteps following not too distantly, in between my own. Realisation struck like a blade in the dark. They're following me. Somebody is following me. I broke into a run. To my horror, the person behind me soon followed suit. I wanted to scream, to shriek out for help. And yet in the moment I felt robbed of words, panic flooded my every mental pathway as I could think of only one thing, get Abigail to safety. And that, dear listeners, is the official end of part one of Every Night at 2am Our Daughter Starts to Cry, We Should Have Paid Attention Sooner. Tune in next week where I will be making a start on part two of the tale. Well, that was the end of part one. Oh, of that. My ass is killing me on the edge of the seat. I can't take any more of it. I can't, I can't help but that the chair's uncomfortable. I can't wait till next week to hear what happens. In part two, part one. Dickhead. Right. So enough of that shit. Uh, we're going to have a surprise... Quiz mind, 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 m
Yeah, so music's playing right now. Quiz mine. Uh -huh. Do you think so, you can take this a bit too far? Mine. Welcome to Quiz Mine. 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 Where this week's. This week's fries will be a battered Mars bar. Ooh. Battered as in uh, fish shop battered or battered as in you sat on if you don't shut up, I'm going to batter you. <laughs> right. So we've got a call on the line, uh, Mr. Sean Connolly. Are you there, Sean? Hello, Richie. How are you? Ah, hello, Sean. I'm good. How are you? I am absolutely fantastic. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Absolutely great to be on the show. Pleasure, pleasure. You know, you do sound like someone, I'm trying to think, and I think... I think it's David Spade. It sounds a lot like David Spade. <laughs> you want to know something? I actually look like David Spade too. I am a David Spade impersonator, actually, professionally. Right. So yes, it does come with the territory. Thank you, yes, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, and you say your name is Sean Connolly. Yeah, Sean Connolly. Right. I thought you said Sean Connolly at first. But well, oh, yes, this is a common mistake. Uh, you see, I, I spell my name S H A U N, whereas he spells his name S E A N. So, uh, yes, very understandable. Pronounced the exact same way. Yeah. And there would be a bit, a bit weird as well because we've already got one ghost uh, lingering somewhere on the show. Oh, question one, George. Yes, I'm right. How many time zones are in Russia? Uh, that's a very common knowledge question. Uh, it's 11. Yeah, correct. Question two. Retro Mars Bar. When did they open the London Underground? 1863. Excellent. It's almost like you got the answer. Brilliant. Question three. Which F1 driver has the most championship wins? Now, I, I think for some reason here, I bet you've written down Michael Schumacher, but it's yeah. actually Lewis Hamilton. But we're going to go with Michael Schumacher, because I bet you think it's Michael Schumacher. I'll give you that. Excellent show. Yeah. Thank you very much, yes. Question four. How tall is Blackpool Tower? Ah, yes. Now, I actually went to Blackpool Tower uh, last summer, and I measured it. I basically took measuring tape, threw it over the edge, and I was like, hmm, how many is that? That is... Uh, 518 feet and 9 inches. Question 5. Shut your hole. Question 5. How many wives... How many of... Henry VIII's wives were called Catherine? Uh, three of them, I believe. Catherine the first, Catherine the second, and Catherine the third. Okay. Question 6. What you... Oh. What year did James Bond, Doctor No, come out? Oh well, uh, oh damn! I know nothing about James Bond films, unfortunately. Uh, no, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, wrong, wrong show. I wouldn't suppose you would. Really. Yeah, um, I'm taking a total guess. I'm saying 1962. Excellent. Well, there you go. I was shot in the dark. I was thinking 67 for some. Not your hole. Question seven. What sport was invented in Scotland? Oh, wait, oh, uh, hold dear, we've gone from bad to worse now. Uh, I know nothing about Scotland, uh, being from Ireland myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. know nothing about Scotland at all. Uh, I, oh, uh, I'd say golf. Excellent. Oh, well, yeah, that's great. As long as there's no more questions about Scotland, we'll be fine. Question eight. What's Scotland's national flower? Oh, fuck, fuck, what the fuck is that? Uh, oh, sorry, Richie, a little bit. Uh, I'm composed um, I believe it's the thistle. Correct. Question nine. Who played the 10th Doctor in the Doctor Who series? Uh, that was Doctor Who. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. How old... Sorry, question ten. How old was Prince Charles at the Queen's coronation? Uh, he was actually, I believe he was four years old, just a wee one, like four years old. Little bambino. Uh, bonus question, this is for the Batadmore's bar. I'm ready. Why is Drew a wanker? Oh, well, scientists have studied this for many years and have come to many conclusions, but he is just one. That's it. 
and that's and that's what we call in the in the showbiz world a wrap. Well done, Sean. Thank you very much. Uh, I I can't believe it. Uh, you, I know. I've got to ask. Have you have a wonderful time today on the I've show? I've had a great time, Sean. Long you here. Yeah. That's absolutely fantastic. It's been great having you on the show, uh, Richie. You. You've been absolutely fantastic. Give a round of applause for Richie there, everybody. Had a great time. Uh, yeah, had a great time on the show. Great to have you on. Uh, always has been excellent on the show. Yeah, I think I need to stick around. But um, Yeah, that's all right. If you don't yeah. mind, uh, stick around. We could kind of do with it here, knowing how shit this podcast is. So if you don't mind hanging around, uh, maybe we might get some uh, good funny moments out of you. Oh, and I also give a shout-out when I'm here. Well, of course, give a shout-out. French family or whoever, as long as it's no one being present. We've had lawsuits. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Jimmy Neal, um, my mum, my dad, uh, my dog, who's always believed in us, uh, mittens from down the street, always stares at us. Um, the hamster that passed away, um, George III, and, um, and the goldfish I had, um, called Ernest. Uh, that's it. Well, well, actually, tell me, what are you going to do with your prize today, the Battle Thrive Mars Bar? What are you going to do with it? Um, I'm either going to smear it all over the wall and let someone else tidy it up, or I might actually eat it, I don't know. Well, that's a very difficult choice, but as always, the Battered Fried Mars Bar is brought to you by uh, Adam's Place down the street. Uh, you can buy Mars Bars from there. Uh, yes, uh, well, uh, that's qu- the end of Quiz Mine, folks. Quiz Mine, 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 Mine. And now to fart your pants. Well, Richie, that was quite a good uh, Quiz Mine. Um, with Sean there. Yeah, she was absolutely brilliant. I'd say it's one of the best quiz minds to date. Uh, we've got loads of quiz mind fans out there. Uh, yes, lots of them. But interestingly enough, Drew, a lot of people have been saying they want to hear you back on quiz mind. So I've decided to give you a bonus question from last week, if you want. Okay, but, but Richie, your voice has really changed. What the hell are you talking about? My voice has sounded like this all the time. It's a broad Geordie accent. Yeah, I've listened listen to every episode. He's never changed. Yeah, yeah, you see, even Sean agrees. I must be on some really trippy drugs, yeah. Okay, what's the bonus question? Well, here we go. For, uh, I forget what last week's prize was, because obviously it was it was fantastic, and it's just it's so brilliant. Oh, yes. Oh, shit, we ran out of them. Um, I know, we'll I just give you, uh, I've got a rusty spoon here. We'll give you that instead. All yeah, right, well, here we go. For the rusty spoon. For the rusty spoon. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is the most commonly used piece of equipment by a snooker player? Hugh. The music! Hello, sensual citizens. It's me, your host, Richie Lawless. And welcome to Richie's Corner. Time to Settle into your sofa. Time to chill out on your chillaxation as we go through some of our great, great jokes, emails, and of course, many other silly things. I'm of course still joined by our special guest, Sean Connolly. Hello, Sean. Hello, Richie. And of course, I'm still joined by. Uh, yeah, he's unfortunately still here. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm we sorry. are of course. Uh, and uh, some reason, random noises as well. I don't know. Do stripping balls this week. Anyway, we're sponsored this week by Peppers, uh, who are basically <laughs> an amazing company called Forkoff, the uh, cutlery specialist in Yarrow. Uh, Forkoff, Forkoff, yeah, Forkoff uh, for all your spoon needs. There you go. Uh, I thought I'd start as I always do with a dad joke. Uh, I was singing in the shower, and it, you know, it's fun. Until you get the soap in your mouth. Then it becomes a soap opera. <laughs> now that's a dad joke. Yes. Now, what's interesting is that the dad in Finding Nemo couldn't have actually told you that joke. Because even though he's a clownfish, clownfish aren't funny. They can't speak English, so you can't understand them. They can't actually speak at all. 
Is that is that why German humour is no laughing matter? That's just offensive. That one. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Uh, time for some more random facts as I led us into that brilliant segue. Uh, did you know that yesterday was Wednesday? I knew it was. I told you it was, yeah. didn't I? It was also the no, day that your troubles seemed so far away. I was there, I've never spoken to you before, Sean, so no, you didn't. Have no, you? No. Right, well, there you go. Uh, please, please, do, don't swear at the guests. I told yeah. you they've been this before. Did you know that kangaroos cannot walk backwards because they have a third leg? Well, did you? Did you? No. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Kangaroos have a third leg. Nobody knew that. Not actually until recently. It's, uh, when they realised, oh, they're using their tail as a leg. <laughs> well, there you go. There's a bloody ghost again. There's that ghost again. What's going on? It sounds all muffled and stuff. I think it's in the walls. Okay, Drew, I definitely think your place is haunted. Uh, you'll need an oh, exorcism. Wow, <laughs> uh, don't like mosquitoes? Well, get a bat. They can eat up to 3,000 insects a night. Uh, they're probably ones that aren't mosquitoes as well. So if you're looking for non-mosquito bats, they're probably out there in the market. Mm, good to know. Jimmy, our bats would probably know a thing or two about that. They probably would. Yeah, she probably would. I listened to the podcast earlier this week. Billy Bats was absolutely on fine form as earlier. Uh, did you know that your fingernails grow faster when you're cold? Oh. No. There you go. Well, if you're cold, your fingernails will grow faster. Why you'd want to do that, I don't know. Uh, seems pointless in harvesting fingernails. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Anyway, uh, let's move on to some fan mail. And oh, would you look at this? Lucy has written it. Lucy says, hello, lads. I love Quizmite. Best quiz show about. Makes who wants to be a millionaire look like a pile of shit. I think that's just Jeremy Clarkson love. But keep up the good work. Yeah. I have a message as always from uh, Kevin Watersniff. He says, it was dark last night. Yes, it was, Kevin. It was, it was. I think Kevin's on to something here. Well, we look well, forward to further correspondence with you, Kevin. I have a message from Dave. I think it's Dave from Athelstan. Dave says, I think there is somebody at my door. Should I answer it? No. I wouldn't. No. The last time I did it was Drew, and I really regretted opening the door like... Well, there you go, Dave. My door was Richie. Mm. There you go. Well, the last time that I opened the door, it was Drew, and uh, unfortunately, that's two to one. So, yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. So don't don't answer the door. It could be Drew. Don't take the gamble that it's Richie. It's only a one in three chance. That's just not good. I'm, go. I'm I'm here right now. Because yeah, if it's not either of us, it's probably a debt collector. <laughs> uh, I have a question from Steve. He's, I think this is a general question to both of us, but considering Sean's here, Sean can also answer it, maybe. Uh, can you catch STIs from toilet seats? Yes, if you sit down before the other person stands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, of course, that, that, yeah. That, That's a good point, Sean, that's yeah. a good point. Yes, um, I would say if you want to catch STIs, go down to your local Volkswagen dealership. But, you know, I don't think you usually get them from those toilet suits uh, because they're not selling you the car in there. Yes. Uh, oh, we got a message from Billy Barnes. Oh, oh your arch nemesis, Richie. What do you want this time? Well, let's have a look to see what Billy Barnes has to say. Last week's show was a fucking show. Yes, it was, Billy. What the fuck was that? Podbats is kicking your show. P.S. Richie, jump on a bike with no seat prick. Uh, I use a scooter, so it's one of the stand-up ones. I, oh, that's true, I, yeah. I, I, mean, yeah, I do remember the time, Richie, when you had no seat on your bike and you were still riding it. Yes, exactly. Why do you need a seat? You can still stand. You've got the pedals. Makes that's sense. That's Elton, Elton John song was about, you know, I was still standing. That's it, yes. And when it said Saturday night for a fight, I saw that Billy Barnes. Sit down. No, 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 no,
Sorry. No, that's alright. You think you would have caught an STI if you'd sat down? There was someone else sitting there. Ah, now, gentlemen, gentlemen, I have a message from our very dearly beloved Babs. Yeah! How's yeah. It, how are things going between Babs and Fireman Ben? Well, first things first is Bab says, Hi, Richie, how are you? Hi, Babs, I'm fine. How are you? Don't you just hate it? And this is, by the way, this is Babs. This isn't just me rambling. This is Babs. Don't you just hate it when people interrupt you? Yes, Babs, I absolutely hate it. So me and Ben were in bed having wild animal-esque sex. It was just about to get good. Ah, yes, Babs. Pinky and the stinky. <laughs> it was just about to get good. When the fucking salesman comes over and says, Are you buying this bed or not? Oh, it's like it's like the little, it was like the one from last week where they were just being shown around the house. <laughs> she does conclude her message by saying, "What a joke! Now we're barred out of the furniture store." Oh dear! No much at all. Well, at least it's just at your furniture store and not IKEA. <laughs> well, of course. Right, uh, I've got one more email, and then of course we'll move on to quiz mine. Uh, here we have, it's a message from Roy, and it's, uh, Hi Richie, I'm trying to lose weight. The doctor told me I have a cigarette, to have a cigarette between meals to curve my meat appetite. And I must say, I'm doing well. I'm down to 40 meals a day. Damn! <laughs> well, there you go, I suppose it's working in some sort of way. Well, I have some emails in as well, Richie. Oh, do you? Oh, I didn't realise that. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, the first one is a reply to Mitten's email from last week. Oh, what's Mitten saying? This should be interesting. This is getting no, a bit no, 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 this is a, no, Mitten's wrote in last week. This, this is a reply to Mitten's. That's what, oh, well, that's what I mean. It's, it's all scandalous. I, I'm losing control. The email's title is Two Mittens from Pods. <clears throat> Ooh. Ooh. Hello, podcasts. This is a message from Mittens who wrote in last week. Listen, yeah, you little. I don't know who you are or who Clive is, but my name is Pods, though Madam Jem likes to call me Cheese, probably because I love cheese. But that's besides the. You are just a humble cat and you have declared war upon a witch's familiar. Big mistake. This is your only warning. Now I'm going back to my chest, my cheese board. Drusifer, watch your step. I shit in your garden earlier. Pods. Oh yeah, you did. I actually seen that on the way in. Yeah, took a massive shit. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, it's probably a cheese field shit as well. Oh, oh yeah, it is. Uh, we've got another one here, which is for you, Richie. Oh, oh, is it? All right, go on. Yeah, go on. And this is from Margaret Chair. My oh, name yes. is. Mm, my name is Margaret. This show has caused my marriage to break down after weeks of finding out what my husband was doing with strawberries and whipped cream on a Thursday afternoon. I caught him with his pants down, spreading the cream over a picture of Richie's flaccid penis and a year's supply of Drew's dog food. If I ever find out where Richie lives, I will do a breakdance with him to sort this mess out. Now my husband is living on the streets since I've thrown him out. He only takes a pair of underwear and kept his picture of Richard's penis. His kids have disowned him as well. I want to say, after 107 years of marriage, this is a disgrace. Now I'm back on the dating scene. Hopefully, my dusty cave will 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 be a pleasure to another man. Fuck you, Richie. Fuck you. Well, I, uh, well, uh, well, I must say uh, that's a very strong way to say that you're coming on to me. I 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely coming on to me there. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like she's saying her husband's not allowed to have you because she wants you. Yeah, exactly. Aye, she wants me. I can tell that. I mean, she kept saying, fuck you, Richie. Fuck you, Richie. I honestly, that's basically like, yeah, come on. Ever since we started this podcast, I've been getting nothing but tail. It's mainly pussy, but you know, got a cat, pussy cat coming around <laughs> for obvious reasons. People want me to sign their cats. Well, at least you leave the house. Well, yeah, because I have to come here, unfortunately, every single day. Well, you don't have to come here every day. Just on no, I, I just stand outside and look in and just sigh sometimes, and that's it. I go back home. Well, the cat in my street does it, you know. Looks at the one house that she had, like, just like, with a look of disgust on its face. And then over the window, let it in, and it walks away from the window and continues to stare at the window. <laughs> it's such oh, a- that sounds like a brilliant cat. It does, it does. Oh, when I was waiting earlier for it to be time to record the podcast, I went outside. I know, me leaving the house, shock horror. And, and Pods was sitting on the wall a few houses down, staring at me. And it's like, the fuck are you doing outside? I was probably surprised to see you got that far away from your front door. The fact I even walked out the front door. Well, that as well. Uh, I believe you've got more emails, Drew, to read from our voraciously fantastic fans. Or that people with nothing else better to do. That is correct. <laughs> so, e- email three. How are you, lads? Or as we say where I'm from, hello. But full stop. I know, continue, you'll have to show. Yes, continue. As you may have noticed two weeks ago, last week's email wasn't one to make your to make any scenes at all. Full stop. That's because my 97-year-old gran with Alzheimer's wrote that email, full stop. She sadly passed away before you could read out the email, since, as said before, she sent it now three weeks ago, but died in between then and when you read it out, full stop. She fought Nazis and commies, saved the Queen's life, and all she ever really wanted in life was to have her silly email read out on Richie's Corner. Sorry, Richie's coroner. Full stop. Before she passed on to a better plane. Full stop. But sadly, due to a blatant lack of stupidity, she died and you feel to read out her email. Full stop. So hear me that what? So hear me this now. I will Sorry, my eyes are not working, hang on a sec. Stuff. I don't, I don't that wouldn't be the first time. So hear me this now. I hereby call and place upon the podcast vendetta. I already have some key information on you lot. Like the fact that Richie's arch enemy is none other than Billy Barnes. Oh, oh Billy oh. Barnes. Oh. As such, he will become our new host on the greatest podcast around, the Curious no. Pod, the Curious Pod Bats, Oslo, Oslo Pod Twats. I would like to, I would like to thank Chinese Craig for coming on last week's show. It was the greatest show so far, with well over six hundred plus views. Thanks, Craig. Full stop. Your flame interview was a disaster. Why get run down, washed up agents to knit underwear for fire? I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny that when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Want to pull up tough? Anton. Drew, what have I told you about singing some a lot songs just randomly? Uh, you know, just. I've told you, you look, I like, I get it. You want the song mix a lot, greatest hits. I'll buy it for you one day, okay? But fact is, is that you just can't randomly sing some mix a lot song. I've told you about this, okay? I'll do what I want, Richie. You can't stop me. We'll see about that. What do you think, Sean? Um, I'd kick his tits off if I was you. Ah, well, does, there you go. And what does the ghost think? Old stop. 
Full stop. All oh. right. Oh. Okay then. Um, email number four then. <laughs> I think they shouldn't have gone to sleep. Uh, better read the email. Certainly not else. I don't know. I, said, I, I, I know I'm boring to listen to, but I didn't know I could put a ghost to sleep. Jesus. Well, there you go. Fucking seagulls! <laughs> Hello, so-called fellow podcasters. It's me, your boy, whatever the fucking name I gave last week. Uh, last time. Oh, yeah. Full stop. Must be Anton again. Or as you guys say, nothing because... Or as you guys say, nothing because you don't read out any emails from your comrades in the podcasting community. Harrowing as it might sound, after a speech given by his father, Irving, to Sandy, about not living in the post Reuben, realises he wants to be with Lisa and Polly, and he rushes to, <laughs> and he rushes to her apartment to stop her from leaving. Meanwhile, Sandy fills in for Reuben. We will buy you when Harry, when Polly, or whatever that goddamn f- along came Polly, that's the film. We'll Richie, buy that film for you at some point. Richie, God damn it. Richie, this is his email. Shut up. <sighs> you shut up as well, ghost. Where was I? Uh, Ruben, for his risk analysis presentation on Leland, has successfully grants him his insurance spoiler alerts want to have a breather too bad bill bonds is in the house and our ratings have gone well in fact in their tens you may breathe now full stop yeah no fucking kidding i can breathe now there's no full stops in there apart from that one you know that's one massive long on run on it's just a guest Uh, this show has went really downhill well there's nothing new there we keep finding the bottom part of hell and then just keep digging and keep digging. Yeah. There's no level of hell's deep enough for us. Oh, anyway, yes. Anyway, this email's not over yet. Oh, actually, I've been enjoying it so far. <laughs> the airline was established and started operations in 1987. Well, wait, what airline? Just read the email? Just read <laughs> the email, Drew. Come on. It is wholly owned by Lisa in 1997 Central um, Central, <laughs> Central Mountain Air, placed on an order for additional Raytheon Beach 1900D airliner aircraft and began operating as an Air Canada replacing Air This is the greatest email I've ever heard. Makes perfect sense to me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Professionalism has really went down early. What professionalism? <laughs> um, replacing ABC operating several routes within Alberta and British Columbia <laughs> laterally under the Air Canada Express banner. Boy, you will read anything. Yeah, no shit, I'll read anything. <laughs> Boy, you will read anything, and that's what it's about getting in touch with your fans and expressing goodwill to them. If I were a lesser person like Richie, then I would be petty enough to be angry at you guys. I'm just disappointed by the way our very special guest is on next week. Tune in as Clive, aka Pods, joins us, as well as his side of being the number one cat-based podcaster and Jarrow. Full stop. <laughs> Thank fuck for that. And read out last week's email, unless I didn't send it, in which case it's a good thing I don't have to fire my 97-year-old grandson. She has been locked up for so-called illegal podcast related financial dealings with Pablo Escobar Cat. What has this world robot wars was a show in British television during the late 1900s and early 2000s. P.S. Nothing personal, Richie. It's just Billy Barnes. You know how he is. P.S.S. Why is your anger? I need a drink. And I must say, that was like the greatest email ever sent. Yes, I am a very petty person, but uh, I just like a lot of petty poire. I think that's oh. I think that's some sort of yogurt, isn't it? Why am I hungry? I want, I want yogurt now. I've got a yogurt, Drew. Have I got any yogurt? Yeah, have no, you got I, a yogurt? You, oh, you no, got any yogurt, Sean? John? Um, no, I haven't, no. I've got uh, a bag okay. of oranges, though. 
Oh, excellent. Uh, why have you got buffed up vonders? I'm just weird at that. Oh, well, well, if you're, well, if you're hungry, Richie, I mean, you can just go into my kitchen. I've got 18 oranges in there. I don't want any oranges. I want bathtub oranges now. I don't want oranges from your bathtub. That'd be terrible. Please. Well, guys, it's been great being with you, but I'm going to have to go because um, I need to... Uh, well, it really helps us sleep. I like to dunk Jaffa cakes in the cups of coffee until I fall asleep. So I'm going to um, how many how many Jaffa cakes does it usually take for you to fall asleep? Normally about three or four boxes in two cups. Oh dear, this sounds like a serious condition. Oh, I don't eat them. I just dip them just... until I feel satisfied and then throw them in the bin. You seem to be a very or- orange-obsessed man, Mr. Connolly. Uh, Connery. Connolly, uh, sir. Yeah, sexual problems, yes. I must admit. Alright, oh, alright. Oh, for sexual purposes as well. Ah, well, that's no problem. Don't think there's any laws against not having sex with oranges or anything. I don't think I so. Think so. No. no. They should be fine. Right. Anyway, no, I think no, that's no. the end of Richie's corner, Hi, is it? Oh, oh, the end of Richie's corner as well. Fucking hell, is that Richie's corner? <laughs>